0: All the people gathered. All could hear. All could understand. All could witness. All could see. All were equal. All were moved and all prayed. All were taught and all understood and all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. All, all, and all, and all wept when they heard the words of the law. I don't know why They wept, all of them. But I kind of do. Don't you? I was at a meeting, recovery meeting about six months ago. And the topic of that particular meeting was the third step of the 12 steps of recovery. The third step is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. And in that meeting, I was moved as a woman raised her hand to share her experience with this step And she said, I can tell you this for sure. This little lesbian never once in my whole life of attending churches was asked what my understanding of God was. In fact, I needed to nearly kill myself with drinking and drugging and other self-destructive behavior before I could crawl on my knees in this room and seek to claim the life I had and hear someone say those words to me which touched the deepest thing I had been searching for all along. Real. Relationship with God. One of the most wonderful things, she said, about this thing of passing it on that we do here, is that I get to look at newcomers in the eye and say to them the most wonderful, frightening words ever said to me. What is your understanding of God? And then I get to walk with them through the fear and the joy of living out the answer to that question. All the people. This scripture passage from Nehemiah is a passage taken speaking about what happened with a people in exile. This gathering where everyone was gathered at the water gate, the water gate being not in the temple, but a public place, an open place, where everyone who had been lost in exile could come. This scripture passage relates the story how all were called and all could hear and all could listen and see and understand and pray and all wept because here was gathered an exiled people following that deepest longing in their hearts To know once again, or maybe for the first time, depending. Who am I? What is my identity in this place with God? Wanting to know, what is my faith made of, having journeyed in exile for so long? What does it mean For me to be part of a community in relationship with God. A people in exile, gathering, listening, praying, and weeping. And the scripture is offered to these weeping people. Who, in their fear and their joy that they might find the thing for which they seek, have fallen on their faces to the ground. The scripture calls them up. The words say, This day is holy. You will wait no longer. Do not mourn or weep. You are no longer defined by being the lost ones, the dying ones, the denied ones, the sent away ones. No longer. Come, go your own way to the table that has been set for you with sweet wine and good things, rich things to eat. Go, find your way there, and then share those things with those for whom there has not yet been provision. And again, this day is holy, for you have found that the joy of God is your strength. Good news indeed for an exiled people. And yet, the scriptures that we ponder and experience, the history of the peoples of God, are a history that recounts the wandering and the repeated exiling in our search for who we are in God. How many of you can relate to that? Yes, I've been called home once or twice, but somehow I find myself in exile again. You know, exile can take so many different forms for us. Amen? It can take the form of just realizing I believe because other people believe, but I always secretly feel far from home. Exile can be that place inside us that is just too busy with things of the world, that it is no longer part of our life, that we are connected to this longing inside us, and we give up hope that it can even be touched. Exile can be we spend time in places with people who do not speak of their longing of God and even speak things that are not true about our ability to claim that for ourselves. Exile can happen in so many ways. Our second scripture For the day comes from the gospel according to Luke. It is a very familiar scripture. Are many of you familiar with this? Uh, Jesus' proclamation, he comes forward and he declares who he is and what he is here to do. And it is very good news. It's very good news. How close are you to that? How close are you? As I read this scripture and the commentaries about it over and over again, the writers say about this passage where Jesus says, I am here to proclaim good news to the poor, liberation to those who are in bondage, vision to those who have no sight, freedom for the oppressed, the day of the good news. Of God's hour. How many of us really experience the fact that the scriptures are commented on over and over? This is the heart of the gospel. This is a procl- proclamation of exactly who Jesus is and what Jesus is here to do. In fact, you read the rest of the gospel, and every single thing in it refers back to some part of this proclamation of Jesus in terms of who he is and what he is here to do. And by extension, they say, those of us that might claim the Christian path should go and do likewise. Amen? How many of us experience this with great joy? I'm not so sure to be perfectly honest that many of us do. Personally, reading that, I think, of course, we must do prison ministry. Of course, we should be feeding those persons who are without food. Of course, we need to spend time and energy releasing those who are in captivity. What exactly does that mean? But I think we should do this. (laughs) And I think this is the kind of Christian that I'm supposed to be in. I'm not entirely sure what to do and how to do it. And I just kind of feel a little less than, a little ill-equipped. I don't want to tell anybody about this, because this is the central thing, everybody says so. But I'm not exactly comfortable going out and doing these things. And it never seems like enough, and the world is falling apart, and what is something that I can offer really? And meanwhile, I'm not entirely sure that I have what it takes in any, any way. The end of this portion that we read today from the Gospel of Luke says that Jesus proclaims this in the community, and then he says to them all, Today, This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And he sits down. I would suggest that those of us that are struggling to figure out what all this might mean for us, those of us that might look at these lists of ways that we're going to free and restore and be really great Christians as some sort of holy to-do list, might be encouraged That Jesus says, not here is the scripture that you all must follow if you would follow me. But rather he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in me. It is full up in me. It is in my life. It is in my body. It is made real in the embodiment of my faith. What he's saying is, the path isn't some holy to-do list. The path is a living relationship with God in the Holy Spirit as brought forward in the life, the saving life of Jesus the Christ. This is very good news because Jesus comes to us as people in exile the same way that that scripture in Nehemiah calls forth those in exile and gives them hope, says, lift your faces, do not mourn this day, go find your way in the abundance that's prepared for you and share it with others, this day is holy The same way the embodied scripture in Jesus comes forward to all of us who are in exile today. And says to all of us, the thing you long for, that relationship with God that you fear and desire more than any other thing, is right here and now, this day. Be anointed Touched? You can't anoint far away. I have to get right down on you to anoint you. If God has anointed us, it is because God has drawn so very near. We are anointed to bring good news to the poor. Good news such as you will wait no longer for the thing for which you hunger. We have been anointed through our living faith to bring vision to those who cannot see and to release from captivity those who are still in bondage. Does this mean that I spend years in the prison? Maybe. But what it means is every, all, all of you Bring words of hope and salvation from your very own lives. You realize that the bondage is the internalized oppression with which we have all struggled. And you speak a word of freedom and liberation and you say, I know a God that calls me beloved. Let me tell you about the freedom that I have from my addiction or my self-loathing or from my feeling that I cannot worship in the house of God. Let me tell you how I have been delivered. And as we share our living faith, we release those in captivity all about us, and we bring vision to those who could not see before. We are called forth to do these things, every one of us, all of us, so that the day of rejoicing is made real among the entire body. We have had a place prepared for us. It is here, and we know the way. We know the way. That question, what is your understanding of God, is for all of you. And if you do not know the answer, or if the question elicits both weeping and joy, that is good. That is fine. The thing is that Jesus shows up in this scripture not right on the first page. He's offering these words after he's done a couple other things. What's happened right before these words? Does anybody know? Right before these words, he's just spent 40 days in the wilderness, struggling with temptation, struggling to believe that God will provide for him, resisting the urge to make his way himself, resisting the urge to be self-sufficient. I don't need God. Allowing himself to learn how to be cared for by the God who will provide so that the faith becomes real in his lived experience. And what was right before that? The baptism, right? He went to the edge of the River Jordan and he went into those waters. And he came forward and he heard God claim him. As God's own, you are my beloved. He took his body, he lived his life. He didn't just say, I know God loves me. He actually went to the edge and surrendered all the things in him that might have told him otherwise. Baptism is a washing away of all the lies about who we are so that we can hear the truth that we, all of us, are God's beloved. Once we release those lies and are healed and hear our belovedness, and once we are encouraged by this to enter our own particular wilderness and surrender the need to make it on our own and instead receive the experience of God's faithful provision, then we can stand where Jesus is today and say in me the scripture has been fulfilled I you all of us are sent anointed ones because we have been living the relationship with God that we have sought all along what gift do we have to bring what other gift is there What gift is there beyond our certainty of God's calling forth all beloved? God's desire that all know God's provision. What greater gift is there than to realize the full and abundant table that has already been set? We are welcome always to become full and to share with those who are still yet hungry. Make no mistake, this is a very real call to very real embodied holiness. Jesus does care, I believe, that the hungry really receive food. I think Jesus absolutely cares that we put clothing on those that are naked, that we visit those that are isolated, that we free those that we can from injustice and oppression. But the message today is simply this. We cannot give what we do not have. Internalized oppression will live its way through whatever worshiping body we engage in. If you, today, are experiencing a feeling of weeping at the sound of God's invitation to you. Heed it. Lift your head. Come to know that this day, right now, is holy. That the promise is available for you, all, you all, now, now. And what you might need to do is for you to determine, is it time to go to the baptism waters? Is it time to surrender some of the internalized oppression that's living in your head, telling you lies about your unworthiness before God? Then, enter into prayer with God. I am saying, take your embodied life and sit for five or ten minutes a day and ask God to draw near to you so that you might know the thing you will come to know, which is God is there and God loves you. Take time to pray, for real. Ask God questions and listen. Join a prayer group, join a connections group. Find a way to engage the real living truth of your salvation. And if you feel that that part is good, but you are in the wilderness, get angels with you in the wilderness, even Jesus had them. Again, gather with those that can walk with you through this. Maybe that will be someone a little further on the journey. Maybe that's a beloved friend who can hear your struggles. Maybe it's a therapist. Maybe it is a learning group that enables you to work through some of the demons that are hounding you telling you that God won't provide for you because God will. And all of us need a little help to find that truth sometimes. If that's where you are, do it. It's right here for you. And if you've done those things and you find yourself standing with Jesus today, at this place, realizing that we're here to call forth the poor into abundance, the sightless into vision, those who are still bound and empty into freedom and nourishment, then do that. Join me tomorrow from 6 to 6.30 and stand on a street corner, not because it's a good Christian thing to do, but because you know that all of us are beloved and no one deserves to die because somebody thought they weren't beloved because of who they live their lives being. We stand there and we be the gospel. If we are there, if we are there and we have it to give, give to Haiti, not because you should, but because God is good in your life. And it's the overflowing of the abundant table that has already been set for you. Join and make the community of God which we all seek with this living the scripture into being. It has been fulfilled this day in your hearing. Let us rejoice.